Better's, better's good too. Okay, so last week, seems like a long time ago because I wasn't feeling well. Last week we talked about Loli De Nisayon, the Loli De Vizayon. That we're asking Hashem to draw us close to Him, but please, not through. We don't, we don't ask for nisyonos. We're asking for, like, not nisyonos, not bizyonos. So we shouldn't be ashamed of our behavior. Bizyon is only going to be a result of our own behavior. And not through nisayon. Now, nisayon is really a good thing, but we still don't ask for it. Because the whole point of a nisayon is that it's all up to our choice. So um, given that, you know, our trust in ourselves should not be so great that we feel that, oh, sure, no problem, just give me a test and watch me fly. Because the whole, really the whole challenge of the nisayon is the making of the choice. Since the outcomes are anyway always going to be in the hand of God, and the potential to, to be able to make the choice, we have. If we didn't have it, we wouldn't be given the Nisayon at all. So really, the challenge of the Nisayon is being able to make the push to actually make that right choice, which is not easy. If it were easy, that also wouldn't be a Nisayon, right? It has to be sort of this perfectly balanced challenge versus ease. Um, and that's, that's why we <laughs> inherently should not feel confident, no problem. We should have the courage to know that if I've been given this, it must be that whatever the choice is, I can handle it. It doesn't mean I know how it will come out, because how it comes out is up to God. But the choice of it is the part that's the test, and therefore it means that I, I don't rest complacent. I only have the courage to know that I can do it. I can do it. I still have to do it. But not, not the complacency of, sure, no problem. And we see that from various things, including something that happened with David Amelech, that we don't ask for tests. We don't say, oh, no problem, piece of cake. I'll prove it. Because Which by definition... With so with David there's a Pasuk where he says, test me and I'll... Yeah. Bachanini Hashem v'naseini. And then afterward, he did not pass. Now, in that case, I'm not sure which it's referring to. There's different. I think over there it's that when they came time to move the Aron, so he forgot of basic halacha, which is how do you move the Aron? I mean, we're sort of going into those parshios now. You move the Aron by being carried on the shoulders of Levim, right? On the, with one exception, when they crossed the Ardain, it was Kohanim. Okay, but Kohanim or Levim, you know. But otherwise you carry, yeah, but, but it's carried. And he put the, and part of the point of that is because the Aron carries its carriers. So even though it may be heavy, we know that the Aron, the Aron is not a weight upon people. Um, in fact, it's very interesting. So there's this miracle of the Aron, which is that it carries those who carry it. And I heard a very interesting thing this Shabbos which is one explanation for why the Aron, and I don't remember in whose name it was, it was said over or that I saw it in. Well, how come the Aron is gold on the outside, gold on the inside, and wood in the middle? I, I heard this from Rabbi Lef. That's where I heard it. Rabbi Zev Lef of Moshav Matisyo. Um, Just talk about that. He's amazing, yeah. So he, oh, why, why is it like that? It's a very, I mean, there's a lot of things you can learn from it. But one of the things you can learn from it is if it were gold all the way through, it would be too heavy. Okay, so then the question is, why does it matter if it would be very heavy? Because the Aron carries its carriers. So who cares how much it weighs? 
And the answer is, it matters because the people who are carrying it, we don't, in somchen al hanes, you don't do something in such a way as to rely upon a miracle. And the Mishkan is going to be going for a while. You're going to be carrying it and packing it and moving it for 40 years or 38 years or whatever, I guess 40 years, right? So the Aron has to be built in such a way as to not impose too great a burden on the people carrying it. That the truth is with Torah, and this is relevant to what we're saying, actually what we're going to say about Yitzhahara and what we were talking about with Nisyanos, the truth is that in order to fulfill God's will completely, we need Ziyat HaDishmaya. We need Hashem's help. We don't, we don't say, oh, no problem, we can just do it on our own. On the one hand, we're given the strength. We, we are given only what we need. We're not given a burden too heavy to carry. On the other hand, we really need Hashem's help to carry it anyway. Okay, and that message is also true with the Aron. Okay, the Aron was built not to be too heavy a burden on the backs of the people carrying it. On the other hand, in the end, it's really the Aron that lifts and carries those who carry it. It's not the people who carry the Aron. Okay, and the, that is really sums up everything there is to say about our relationship with God. He doesn't put too heavy a burden on our back. On the other hand, he still carries us. Like, we have to carry the burden, and yet he steps in and he lifts the burden too, and us with it. Okay, so Va'al Tashlip Banu Yitzhahara. I'm like a little bit, a combination of dizzy and spaced out from not quite being back to myself yet. Do you want a tea? No, I'm fine, thank you. I don't even think the water's turned up. <coughs> but I had my coffee today. <coughs> Okay, there's a Gemara in Sukkah, and what, what I want to talk about today is Yetzir Hara. Because Yetzir Hara is like a really puzzling one, right? Okay, Tzofi Rasha Latzadik, Umevakesh Lahamiso. It's a Pasuk in Tehillim, which tells us that it says the Russia is gazing at the Tzadik and always seeking to kill him, which is a pretty discouraging thought. But I guess part of what David learned in his lifetime, which had a lot of different things going on. Okay, and the Gemara says this is describing the Yetzer of a person. That a person's Yetzer is constantly, every day, trying to be misgaber. It's always watching him, always waiting to see how can I bring him down. And if not that Hashem helps him, a person would never manage. A person just couldn't survive it if it weren't for the fact that Hashem is there to help him all the time. Okay, so this is, this is like a discouraging thought also. Right? On the one hand, it's a positive thought. Hashem will be there to help. On the other hand, it's a discouraging thought that there's somebody waiting and sort of lying in wait, always watching for the opportunity to bring us down. Even if that somebody is really inside of us. Okay? <laughs> somebody is inside of us, always waiting to try and bring us down. Like, this is a terrible thought. So I want to I share with you sources. I also want to share with you some ideas that are that are important for, for helping to understand how we relate to the Yetzirah. I just want to make some notes because I don't trust my memory at all right now. Where was it in Tehillim? Lamed Zion, Lamed Beis. Okay. Um, okay, sorry. I want to come back to these, but I'm afraid I'll forget them. Okay. <laughs> but, so point one is Hashem will always be there to help us. We're not in this battle on our own. The Vilna Gon, on this Gemara, 
talking about this point that if it were not for the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu helps him, he wouldn't be able to... Eno Yacholo actually doesn't mean he wouldn't be able to make it. It means he wouldn't be able to best him. To best? Yeah, like to succeed. Which actually means that if you turn that sentence, it's one of those like double negative sentences that works in Hebrew but is harder to translate back into English. Because ilmale means if not for. So ilmale is actually a negative. It's if not for. So if not for HaKadosh Baruch Hu helping him, he would not be able to succeed. Which means because Hashem helps him, he's able to succeed. So piece number one is when we turn that... Bless you. Bless you. When we turn that piece into English, we have to realize that it's a very positive statement. Okay? By being a double negative, we can hear the risk of the negative. But we have to realize that it's a very positive statement, that it's true that there's a Yetzirah always waiting to pounce, and that we never know, and what, we haven't talked about what is this Yetzirah thing, because the way people talk about Yetzirah, there are a lot of different ways that different the different rabbis, the different teachers, Chazal, Bali Musar, have spoken about the Yetzirah in different ways that are, that are helpful to helping us deal with it. Sometimes you hear a way that somebody deals with the Yetzirah and it doesn't speak to you and it's hard to make any sense of it or what you could possibly do with it that's helpful. And sometimes you'll hear a way of it spoken about that really is helpful. So I'll share the ones that seem to me <laughs> to be the most useful for me, you know, and throw them out there because some of them are not the ones you always hear and yet they're based on those same sources. It's not like anything so radical as you've probably figured out by now. I don't say anything terribly radical. Okay, so piece one is, yes, there's a Yetzirah always there, whatever it is, but Hashem is always there to help and therefore we do succeed. Basically, we do succeed. It's just that we have to, we have to appreciate the fact that it's because Hashem is there to help us. <coughs> and the Gra says, now the Gra is basically addressing this question, as far as I can tell. I mean, the Gra, you know. But anyway, he's addressing the question well, if Hashem is there to help us succeed, then what's the point of Yetzirah? Isn't the whole thing that I have to have free will? So that's really what we we're talking about with the Aaron, right? He says, here's the point. Even though the Creator, may he be blessed, has given the power to a person to be able to conquer his Yetzirah, through the spirit that was embedded within him, we've been given enough fighting spirit to do the job. But in the end, it is very difficult to a person, for a person to actually bring this job all the way to its final conclusion, to get all the way to the end of it. You know, you have a hard job, you might do a great job, you get 95%, really hard to take it all the way. So a person should know. Now, I, I just want to stop there and say, like, that's a really realistic understanding of human nature. When I was a very young teacher, okay, I'm gonna take that back. When I was a young teacher, it was my very first year teaching. I was still a pretty young teacher, my third year teaching. Mrs. Schwartzmer came to Oraliahu. That's how long ago I was teaching at Oraliahu. I was there before Rabbi Goldberg came to Oraliahu. Really? Really. Okay, but Mrs. Schwartzmer came to Oraliahu, and there was one student in my class, such a sweet, delicious, wonderful kid. And there were so many struggles and so many things that were hard for him. And he just wanted to, like, wrap him up and take him home, you know. There was so, it was so challenging for him and the situation at home and everything. But such a sweet, wonderful kid. I remember, like, saying, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't feel like I'm doing enough. I don't know how to help. And she looked at me and she said, you know, you can't do 100%, 100% of the time. And I was very taken aback. 
<laughs> which tells you something, you know, also how young I was. I was really taken aback. An idealistic. <clears throat> idealistic, right? I mean, what do you mean I can't do 100%, 100% of the time? Isn't that the point? Like, aren't we supposed to do 100%, 100% of the time? And I realized she was right. It took me a while to, like, work through this statement, the wisdom of it, which is that's not real life. In real life, you cannot, in fact, put out 100% effort 100% of the time. That's not sustainable. No marathon. We just had the L.A. Marathon, right? No marathon runner who plans to finish starts at full speed. That would be stupid because you don't run 100%, 100% of the time either, not even on one day, not even for one run. Can you run 100%, 100% of the time? So McGraw has just said that even though we do have the ability to do it, we actually have enough strength to conquer the Yetzer, like actually to conquer it. But we're not really going to do it because it's extremely difficult for a person to get all the way to the end with that, from start to finish with full energy. So a person's job then, what is in a person's hand, meaning his control, is not really to do 100%, 100% of the time. It is to begin the job. What is in a person's hand is to begin the job and to do whatever is in his power to do. From moment to moment, what can I do right now? That finishing the job, if you look ahead and you say, I can't finish, don't worry. Finishing the job is going to be with the help of God. And he will help a person bring it to a successful conclusion. He'll help you finish fighting your Yetzer. There are, there are going to be changes in your life. There are going to be changes in your thinking. You're going to hear a new idea. You're going to get more energy. There's all kinds of ways that God has to help you solve the problem. He'll help you conquer it. And that's really, if you think about it, that's a Mishnah Navos, right? Lo alecha hamalacha ligmor. The job is not yours to complete. And you're also not free to abandon the job and neglect it. You have to start, you have to pick up, and you have to do. Pick up and do, and do as much as you can. And know that it is up to you to do everything you can, and know that you have the strength to do the job, and also know that God is expecting to have to step in and help. That's fine. It's a partnership. That's good. And here's what we're saying, right? The al tashlet banu yetzer And don't put the yetzer dominant on us. Don't let, him, don't let him get control over me. I'm asking. I'm asking for the help. Why do I bring this up here? Why, why did I mention this here? Because that's what I'm doing in this prayer. I'm saying, Hashem, help. I get it. I get it that I'm going to need your help. Please help. I know you're there. I know that's your will that you'll help me. Right? That's the ratzon mofanecha. It is your will to help me. But what does God want? He wants us, yes, to beat our Yitzhahara, or he doesn't want us to beat our Yitzhahara. Obviously, he wants us to. One of my daughters came back a few years ago I don't know which teacher. I'm trying to think who was her teacher. <coughs> it was in like sixth or seventh grade. They got this wonderful handout, which I do not have a copy of. And it was describing, um, it's like a boxing coach. And that's, that's what you think it is, right? It's this boxing coach. And he says, okay, I'm going to throw you in the ring. 
and I'm going to hit you, and you're going to hit me, and I'm going to hit you, and you're going to hit me, and I'm going to hit you, and you're going to hit me. And then as soon as you get the hang of it, I'm going to start hitting you harder. I'm going to start hitting you faster. I'm going to come around the back where you can't, not expecting me, right? And I'm happy as long as you keep on fighting. But if you lie down and say, that's it, I give up, I don't feel like I've successfully won because I'm not your opponent, I'm your coach. My job is to get you stronger and more successful in the fight. My job is not to get you to fall down dead or fainting or giving up. If you give up, we both lose. Mm. If you keep fighting, if you get stronger than me and you knock me out, we both win. That's the voice of the Sahara. It was an unbelievable piece. I wish I had the original. Somebody here at the school must have it because it came out of this school. I mean, I don't think it was written here. But it was such a powerful, it's not just a mashal, right? The Yetzirah is a malach, it is a force created by God. It is in the service of God. We always have to remember that. Everything God created in the world, he created to help fill the world with knowledge of God and his glory. The Yetzirah wins the more we win. We both win together. If I fail, the Yetzirah wins when I beat him. Right, 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 right. Okay, then we're both happy. The Yetzirah is not happy when it beats us. And sometimes, you know, that's, I, I'm sharing this because number one, it's a powerful and very correct and real marshal. And number two, sometimes when we hear the different ways that Bali Musser will describe, you know, the Yetzirah, and it's so wily and it's always out there to get us, could start to feel like we have no hope because there's this enemy out there. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's important for us to understand that yes, the Yetzirah will always come up with some new trick because it is a very advanced player. But his goal is to get us on. So, so he hits us once, we didn't see it coming. He hits us again, we didn't see it coming. But this time, after two times or three times that we get hit, right, we mess up. It came out of left field. I start realizing I gotta pay attention to left field. Okay, I just mixed my metaphors because one was baseball, but left visual field, whatever, right? Like, I didn't see it coming. Now I know I gotta start looking in a direction where I don't see it coming, right? Now I've been built up. Now I know something I didn't know from before. So to recognize that is helpful. Mm -hmm. It's a helpful way to like think about this to realize like, yes, there's something going on inside of me. Yes, it brings me down. But the point of all this is not that I should feel like give up hope because I'll never get anywhere. But this is the whole point is that I should figure out how to tackle this problem now. And now we're all stronger and we go forward. Okay. Um, I want to read you just here from the beginning of Gracious, the creation of man, human. That's man with a capital M. Because <coughs> it's the creation of woman too, obviously. Vayitzer Hashem Elohim. Oh, I think I put it on the handout. Yeah, it's source number four. There's those handouts again. Vayitzer Hashem Elohim. Es Ha'adam. And God formed the, the man. Afar min ha'adama. Uh, dust of the earth, and he blew into his nostrils a soul of life, 
and man became a living soul. And those translations, one of these days I'm just going to stop putting the translations because it's ridiculous. This, this source sheet builder is wonderful, but the translations are unbelievable. Okay, so one thing you see, you see that there are two yuds in the word vayitzer. Okay? Now you don't need two yuds in the word vayitzer. So why are there two yuds? Rashi says, did I bring the Rashi? I did not. Okay, Rashi says, Shte Yitziros. Yitzira la'olam ha... Oh, sorry, I thought he brought the other explanation. He does not. Okay, two, it's uh, two, two creations. One creation for this world, one creation for the next world. Okay, so this is that he created him physical and spiritual. You see in the same verse, this is the formation of a human being that he's physical and spiritual. Okay, he doesn't bring it. But Chazal say elsewhere, sorry, I thought Rashi brought it. Maybe that's why I didn't bring the Rashi on the source sheet. That it's shte yitzros, like the word yitzer hara, yitzer tov. Vayitzer means he formed. Okay, so you take, if you have clay and you make it into a shape, that's yitzira. It's taking material and forming it into a certain shape. It's spelled here with two yuds which refers to two spiritual components, which in this case are two yetzers. It's a double yetzer. Vayetzer with two yuds. Chazal say it's because there's two yetzers that were formed into a person. A yetzer hara and a yetzer hatov. Now, we still don't know what a yetzer means, but there's two of them, and they're formed into the person. So one point to know and realize is that this is how we were created from the very beginning. This is why we're here. <laughs> this, is, this is who we are. This is not something to get discouraged about. It's not something to bring us down. It's something to recognize is the reality of being a human being. That's what we're here for. We're created like this. A second thing to understand is that God created man with two Yetzers, but we are not either one of those Yetzers. I am not my Yetzer Tov, I'm not my Yetzer Hara. Neither of those is me, okay? God blew also, in addition, a soul into my body, that's me. And the Yetzer Hara and the Yetzer Tov are part of the Yetzira, the formation, which is the physical formation of the person. So part of having this physical body is that I have a Yetzirah and a Yetzirah. But that's my inner deepest self. It's not my Yetzirah or my Yetzirah. <coughs> now the question is, what is this Yetzirah? If Hashem created a person with two Yetzirahs, what's a Yetzirah? And what does it have to do with Yetzirah? It's so obviously the same word, right? If, if Yetzirah is to create, to to push something into the correct shape, what does a yetzer have to do? What is a yetzer hara, meaning a bad yetzer, yetzer hatov, a good yetzer? What's a yetzer? What's a, what is a yetzer? A force of some type. Some sort of shaping force. Just by looking at the word, it's something that shapes. Okay, so here's how Rav Hirsch translates it. He says, yetzer is to the material what yasar is to spirit and feelings, which is awesome. Okay, so because the tzaddik and the samech, the tzaddik is a, a different form, 
but the words are related. So he says, for example, you've heard of yesurim, which would be like suffering, right? Or musar, which would be guidance, right? It's something which is, and lasur is to turn. So the root of samech resh means to shape something or direct it into the direction it needs to go. So when it comes to a person's emotional life or spiritual life, that's yud samech resh. It's that which pushes us where we need to go, either through experiences that are painful, right? But they push us away from the painful and toward somewhere we, we should be. Or when someone says something, it may not be comfortable, right? But they correct us. It could be very comfortable. When a person corrects us and guides us into the correct path so that it turns us, lasur is to turn. Yetzer is to the material. It's to form material into the shape you wish it to take. So both mean to confine spiritual or material matter in a fixed direction for a fixed purpose. One is the business of spiritual and moral education and culture. The other is the formation and shaping of material matter. Both are related to yashar, which is the shortest and most direct direction to an end, the straight line. So yetzer and yasar are indirect, possibly, because you're maybe not facing the right direction. If you would be yashar, you would get straight there, and you would not require those other two. So at the moment that Hashem forms man, right, that's vayitzer Hashem elokim Adam, <coughs> he spiritually embeds the two yitzros. He's forming us physically, and at the same time, he puts that which will form us spiritually into our bodies at the same time. That is the formation of man, is not just the formation of the body, but also the formation of that which will direct us where we need to go in the fixed direction we need to go. I just want to finish the quote. That is where the freedom, the immortality, the whole greatness of man comes from. All that makes an animal into an individual life comes from the earth and returns to the earth. But not so that which makes a man alive. When the spirit leaves the body, life is not included in the coffin. Life adheres to the spirit. So there's something different going on. And that has to do with the putting into that physical body, not only the yitzira of the body, but the Yitzira of the Yetzirah and Yetzirah Tov. And now there's a whole new level of life that's going to come along with that. God will blow in a spiritual soul. So all of a sudden, this isn't an animal body anymore. There's something beyond. There is an animal body, but there is also a spiritual life that's there that goes above it. Just as man does not belong to the earth, but the earth is Adama, given over to him for his use, for his rule, to be subservient to man, man can and should master and rule over that which is earthly inside of him. We talked about this once before. The root of the word Adama is Adam. So Rav Hirsch says the, the source then, the root is Adam. Adama is that which is really to serve man. We're meant to use Adama and rule over it. And if we are then formed out of Adama, then we'd better rule over that too. 
It's the same verse. Okay. Where is this in Rabbi Hirsch? <coughs> on this pasuk, Bez Zion. Okay. okay. On, you know, Rosh Hashanah, we have, we have key. Hine kachomer beyad hayotzer. We're like the, the clay or the material in the hand of the former, of the shaper. That's how we are in God's hand. The purpose of our yetzers. We have a yetzahara, we have a yetzer tov. The purpose of the yetzer is a tool for us to shape our homer. That is what it is for. Okay. So I want to run through. These are based on Rav Hirsch. I kind of summarize them here on source number three. The word tsar. Tsar means narrow or constricted. I didn't put on this list. Mitzrayim is a pair of places that are constricting, right? It would be trapped between a rock and a hard spot. That's Mitzrayim. You are absolutely squeezed between two places, so it forces your direction, right? Tsar is narrow or constricted. Yitzur is creation, which means constriction of infinity to allow for finiteness, right? Squeezing it down into something smaller and tighter than what it was. A yetzer is an inclination or a taiva. Why is that limiting? Number one, it limits us, right? You're only free when you can conquer your yetzer. To the extent that you feel that something, I need to have it. I, <laughs> I was just reading a book, a children's book for the school. And one of the characters is the mother, and, and a complete sort of side tangential thing, she the, the price of coffee goes up very high during the Civil War, and the mother's having this terrible headache because she's not having her coffee, right? I don't really have to refer to a book about the Civil War, probably to find cases of people who get headaches when they don't have coffee, but this just, like, jumped out, right? She can't have, and she's, like, all embarrassed of herself, like, that, that she should be dependent on the coffee, you know? And she's like, that's it, I'll just have to get over it. My body's just going to have to learn to manage without it. Right? And it's really, you are free when, when you can conquer a Yetzer. You're not free from a taiva, from a desire for something. The desire enslaves you. Another thing about Yetzer, meaning an inclination or a taiva, is its purpose. It tells us something, which is that we're supposed to limit it. It's going to shape us, but really we want to be limiting it. But this, and this is really Rav Hirsch's point, is that the Yetzer forms and defines mankind and is part of what makes us human, not animal. Is that what you meant when you said Homer? Homer, I'm not quite sure. Homer means material. That's the real pure physical. But Homer is something that has to be shaped and given some sort of defined shape. And the Yetzer helps define that shape. Homer is like the clay, right? Yeah. Like yeah. think of the clay on the potter's wheel and we have to show okay. So if we use choice, <coughs> which is a higher level, okay, then we can have an impact on what shape that's going to take. Otherwise, the Yetzer, if we just allow the Yetzers to work on their own, you're just going to get whatever shape like you randomly come up with. It may not be a great shape. Okay. But the point is that the Yetzer is what does the shaping. So we want to control, right, if we can hold back a Yetzirah and leave in a Yetzir Tov more, it's going to affect the ultimate outcome. Okay. Now, I want to, I think this is relevant to this, even though it's not per se Yetzirah, but I think it's relevant to this, is when it comes to Kayin, 
This is one of these sort of passages that um, I think people just tend to skip over maybe. Don't quite know what to do with that sometimes. <clears throat> this is Embracious Dalid. Hashem says to Kayan, Vayomer Hashem el Kayan. Hashem says to Kayan, Lama charalach velama naflu fonecha. Why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? Halo imtetiv says, If you do good, you'll be elevated. Vein lo setiv. And if you do not choose to do good, la pesa chatas rovates. At the doorway, sin is crouching. Have you heard this one? I think it's like one of the, nobody does their dvartar on this. Let yeah. me tell you something. They lechat shukaso. And it desires you. The atatim shalbo, and you'll rule over it. And most people tend to translate that. I'm not sure most people. Christians translate that, and that's one of the things Rav Hirsch is responding to, um, as sin is always crouching at the door, meaning it's ready to pounce, which tends to sometimes be the way we think about the Sahara, right? Mm -hmm. It's always waiting to jump in on us and tear us to pieces. Rav Hirsch says, that's not what this passage says. First of all, the word rovates. What is the word rovates? So I'll give you an example. There's another pasuk. It's in Tavarim. It's not here, so I don't have a Tavarim with me. Ki kan Let's say you're walking along on the way and you find a bird's nest. Baderech becholetz al haaretz. It's on the on the road. It's in a tree. Efrochim chicks obetsim or there's eggs. Vahaim rovetes al haefrochim o al abetsim. And the mother bird is rovetes. That's the word rovets, right? Mm -hmm. Just it's a mother, so it's rovetes. On the eggs or on, on the chicks or on the eggs. Okay, so what does rovets mean? Rovets does not mean crouching and waiting to pounce. Because the mother bird is not crouching and waiting to pounce on the eggs or on the chicks. Obviously. Like all you have to do is look at a bird's nest. So what does rovets mean? Rovets is peaceful, undisturbed crouching. It's possibly even protective. There is a power to the word rovates, but it is not the power of something about to spring. It's something which is at rest. La Pesach chatas rovates. Sin is resting at the doorway. It's there. It's cool. It's chilled. Leave, it's, you know, let sleeping dogs lie. Don't start up with it. Leave it. Okay. Elecha chukaso, chuka is very strong longing or desire, love. It has a strong love and desire for you, and you are to rule it. Ata tim shalbo, you will rule it, you'll dominate. In other words, sin is powerful, don't underestimate it, but it is remaining quietly behind the door. It will not attack uninvited. That's encouraging. Moreover, its whole desire is that you should master and direct it. This is kind of more like that coach example, right? The boxing coach. What is the sin waiting for you to do? Be the master. Take charge. You should master and direct it. Not that you should suppress or kill it, but Timshul. Regulate it, rule it, direct it. That is its purpose and its calling. By you mastering it and guiding it, it achieves its purpose. That's why it longs to achieve it. Everything longs to achieve its own purpose. Okay. The Eight Sahara wins when you control it. 
here's another piece to this. Like, I don't know. I hope you find this helpful. To me, I found it helpful to have like a, a, a more nuanced approach to the Eight Sahara than what I got from like Uncle Maishi as a kid, you know? Okay. <laughs> Our country, Yassi, I'm not sure. I shouldn't blame on Uncle Maishi, you know? Okay. Um, when God created man, and he gave us a yetzer, or two. Vayipach be'apov nishmas chayim. Vayipach is like he blew. Be'apov, so we translate that as nostrils. There are a few, I think I put a series of those words here. Yeah, they're here in number nine, okay? The af words. Because af is a little bit funny, right? Af is a nose. Apayim are like the nostrils, but erech apayim is patience, right? It's a quality that God says we should attribute to God, is that he's erech apayim, right? That's not anything to do with a nose, right? Okay. So it, or even vayichar af, which is anger, right? So what does that have, what do, what do all those words have to do with each other? So Rav Hirsch says, Apav is the root of af and apayim, and afif, which is to pant. And what that tells us is what, is, what is that process of breathing and panting being a stronger version of it? It's a kind of, <coughs> excuse me, wanting to greedily absorb something outside into oneself. <coughs> That's panting. So Af is a nose, and apayim are the nostrils of the nose, like the two noses, right? Apayim is a plural, so it's the two parts of the nose. It's the opening of the body through which people take in life. I mean, f basic breathing is the ultimate craving to bring in the outside in. If you ever felt you couldn't breathe, there is no kind of craving that gets stronger than that. So then it becomes used, we can have that in a broader sense, which is striving, desiring to bring that which is outside into me. And therefore, vayichar af, anger, is really an unsatisfied desire. I want something, and I am frustrated in that desire. That's where the anger comes from. Bezeas apecha tochalechem. Right, I brought that pasuk. It's number eight, source number eight. Through the sweat of your brow, but it actually apecha isn't so much your face as your nose, right? In other words, you will be making effort to get the world inside of you. That's how you're going to eat. How can you survive, right? It's this effort to. Br you're going to have to put a lot of effort into absorbing, inhaling, consuming, being able to get what you need to be able to live. That's the object of all work, is getting a little piece of the outside world inside of yourself in order to be able to survive with it. Okay. Whereas erech being able to lengthen that, is patience. That's why erech is is patience. It's being able to slow down and not need, not feel that you have to have it so quickly. Like being able to take a long breath. I could wait. I have enough air. I'm good. So erech is patience. Okay. Now, this kind of brings us to what I think is really fundamental, which is Rav Schwab's approach 
to Yetzer, to understanding what these two Yetzers are, these two Yuds are, right? We even see like, um, even with Bechol Levavcha, the Torah says, we'll talk about this at length in Shema, but you should love Hashem your God, Bechol with all your heart. Now really, that should be Bechol Libcha, with all your heart. But it says Bechol Levavcha, there are two bases. A base is a house, right? So with both houses of your heart, what are, your, what are the two parts of your heart? Because I'll say, that's your Yetzirah and your Yetzirah Tov. Okay, in light of what we've said so far today, it's not as big of a question. But otherwise, what do you mean I'm supposed to serve Hashem with my Yetzirah and my Yetzirah Tov? Aren't I supposed to serve Hashem with my Yetzirah Tov and not my Yetzirah? But this is much clearer now. I have to serve Hashem also with my Yitzhahara. My Yitzhahara is not there as the enemy. My Yitzhahara is there as the punching bag. Every time I feel the urge to do the wrong thing and I don't do it, I don't get down on myself that I felt like doing the wrong thing. I'm pleased I served God with my Yitzhahara. That's what it's there for. That's what I'm there for. Okay? That's what the Torah is asking of me. Serve Hashem with both of your hearts. And this both of your hearts thing, if you don't understand this way, it's such an, Rav Schwab says, we are an enigma to ourselves. Listen to this. The very same person who has total emuna in HaKadosh Baruch Hu while saying Shema at the end of Ne'ilah on Yom Kippur in other circumstances has a desire for zanus and minus. Immoral relations and apostasy. You know, you could be like flying high and you feel completely like with God and everything's good, and you could turn around 15 minutes later and realize that the thought that went through your mind was absolutely not okay. Maybe it was Gaivadik. I thought that I could do it. Oh yeah, who's in charge, me or God? Maybe I was thinking about somebody I shouldn't be thinking about. How could I be the same person? A per you know, like sometimes if a person is honest with themselves and they really see what's going on in their mind, they say, how could I be the same person? And they could even doubt, maybe it's not true. Maybe when I feel elevated, it's false. Because if it were true, I couldn't possibly be at such a high level and such a low level at the same time. You know, there's halachos. I remember seeing this, something to do with, um, with Shmona Esrei. If a person has thoughts of apikorsis, you're not allowed to keep saying Shmona Esrei. You have to stop until you get them under control. What kind of statement is that? Apikorsis, like not denying God, questioning God. Like what? How could you be saying Shemona Esrei and denying God, number one? And number two, let's say someone could. You're going to be in a position where you're going to care what the halacha is? And the answer is, yeah, it really could be. A person could be a very good person and be at a very high level. It will not stop the fact that these thoughts can happen. Because it's still Vyayat Sahara. It's normal. It's I, I mean, normal. It seems like it would and be normal if ultimately the Yitzhahara is your ultimate coach. That's right. In, in bringing you It's not to as strange, but otherwise it can be very, stronger. beyond frustrating. A person can really doubt themselves. So the way Rav Schwab puts it is beautiful. He says, we're an enigma to ourselves. Mm -hmm. You can have like perfect emuna and turn around. Sometimes it's a day or a month later, and it could be 10 minutes later and realize that a thought went through your head that maybe wasn't apicorsis, but certainly wasn't perfect amuna either, right? You got tense about something. Really? How could you get tense about anything if you have perfect amuna? And then you think, okay, I guess I don't have so much amuna. <laughs> but it's, it, it's not a contradiction. That, I mean, it is a contradiction, but that's how we're made.
we're made with a contradiction. So when you talk about the two types of um, yetziras, that it's a spiritual and a physical, what about? There's two types of creation. And then there's these two yitzros, the yetzers. So those are not both physical or spiritual. They're somewhere in between. They're basically physical. They're essentially part of our physical makeup. So it's probably in our mind. The mind, the intellect, I would think is part of this. Is it part of the spiritual? Is it part oh, of it's the after nine? They might need the room. I didn't is realize it part how late of the it is. Spiritual, because I thought the that mind is closer to the spiritual, us. but a yetzer is not our is not our intellect either. Mm -hmm. I the is not the the yetzer actually also. seems to be part of the brain function, mm -hmm. but it's not. It's something more instinctive than that. Meaning, you can use your intellectual thinking brain to then sort yourself out from a sort of instinctive yetzer reaction. Mm -hmm. So you might think something, but then you can think about it more consciously, and you could come to a different conclusion. You could say, you know, you know what? No. The fact that I reacted that way or I thought that way, that's because I was thinking that it's under my control. But really, God has it all under control. I can change how I'm going to think about that. That would be your intellect talking over a Yetzer. OK, I want to finish with this, and then I want to get out in case they need to feel bad. But here, we're just finishing. OK, so at the end of Shema, Velosa suru, Do not go astray after your hearts. There they are again, the two Yetzers, right? And after your eyes. What that's telling us, Rav Schwab says, is it is there inside of you. Don't go there. It's not saying it shouldn't be there inside of you. It is there inside of you. Your job is not to follow it. Your job is to be the leader, not the follower. But the fact that it's there, it, it just is. That's part of the job of being a person, is learning how to grapple with these things. These basic instincts of Yetzir Hara and Yetzir Tov, and the way that he... The way that he translates them elsewhere is um, a, a craving for that which is self-destructive, is how he translates Yetzir Hara, which is a really useful translation. Right? When a person has a desire for something that is actually self-destructive, we can think of every example, right? I want to eat something. I want to eat a donut. It's 600 calories, oh, no. right? <laughs> it's more. It's enough calories for half well, my so day. You get one of those little mini ones. And I've okay. already eaten. And I've already eaten. Okay. So why do I want it then? And it's ten o'clock in the morning, and you've eaten all your calories already. <laughs> right. So the craving for it then okay. is not a self-constructive craving. It's a self-destructive one. A craving for a cigarette is a self-destructive craving. If you don't have that craving, you can't even understand how somebody could have it or how they could give in to it. Okay, that's why I use donut as an example, because probably we're not smokers, so we wouldn't relate to smoking. We have to use the smoking to realize how somebody else might look at us about our donuts, right? Like, how could you, how we would look at ourselves, right? There's never, nobody ever looks back and says, oh, I wish I had had that donut after all. Never, never. No, you never get to the end of the day and say, you know, I should have had that donut this morning. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's only at the moment that it has this draw, and it's a real draw, but the draw is actually destructive. Okay? A self-destruct. Now, he goes into more detail. We're not going to go there at this stage. When we get to Shema, we'll talk about it. <coughs> I'm going to continue this next week.
I was planning to finish Shades of Horror, but this next piece is really so important but also, that I want to be able that, to focus on it with my time. You, once you have that Thank donut you. Thank you. at 10 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> after you've already eaten your calories for that morning, uh -huh. it opens up the floodgates in right. a certain respect to kind of keep going in that true. direction. You know, like also true. Once you, once you, I blew it, I'm going to start once tomorrow. You've, once you've given in to that yeah. destructive craving. It seems to get stronger. It gives it power. It That's gives exactly it power. What I was say. But what you were saying, Gila, right, about, well, I may as well give in, one of the things about the coaching is to realize, you know what, it got me that time. Right. The point is that I'm going to learn to watch out for it right. and figure out how to watch for it coming the next time. Sorry, we're getting out. Yeah, I re just realized when I saw you that. Sorry. 